This morning makes a, a slightly unusual Sunday. We're kind of in the process of changing gears. If you've been around church for a minute, you'll know that we aren't quite as polished as I would like us to be, but we're getting there. And uh, as a church, we've been on a great journey these last six or so years, seeing great numbers of people come and join us. In fact, I think there aren't very many here this morning as I look out at you, those of you in the room, and as I think of those of you watching online that could say six years ago, six and a half years ago, you were a part of this church, and that's wonderful. We always want to be a growing church. We want to tell people about Jesus, and we want you to know that you can make your home here. But uh, as I confess that we're still changing gears, let me just say welcome to those of you joining in Ainsford. And uh, as we finish up our sermon series in Ruth this morning, you might think, well, this is an unusual passage for the first week of Advent. So it was wonderful to hear the Christmas story and to start lighting our Christmas candles. And um, well, you can't smell it if you're at home tuning in, uh, but these you know, no brand product placement intended, but these Yankee candles are just beginning to do their thing. And the place is beginning to smell very Christmassy, for me at least, and I hope for you guys too. Our passage this morning comes from Ruth 2. That's Ruth 2. I'll give you a moment if you're scrambling to find it. Ruth 2, and we're up to verse 15. Ruth 2.15. Give me just one more moment. I'm going to read it for you, so if you haven't found it, try not to panic. It's Ruth 2.15, and it says, As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves, and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it mounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave what she had left over after she had eaten after she'd eaten enough, her mother-in-law asked, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead, she added. This man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all of my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. Well, this is our final week in Ruth, and then we're going to be moving into some very Christmassy Advent messages in the, the run-up to Christmas. And um, So I just wanted to encourage you to finish reading this story, maybe this week. If you've got a moment, why don't you finish the story of Ruth? I think it's a great story. And um, 
You know, some people call it one of the great love stories in the Bible. I think it reveals God's Father's heart for us, and I'm going to just talk a a moment or two about that this morning. But let me just recap really quickly for anyone who's tuning in, and this is the first part of this sermon series that they're catching. I never want you to feel like you've missed out and you're not going to be able to follow along with what's going on. Uh, And I think actually from week to week, it's always good just to have the story recapped, isn't it? So the story starts and we've got Naomi and her husband and her boys and they move to this far off land, Moab. They go there and once they're there, you know, there's, there's quite a good little romance story here. The two sons meet girls and they like them and the girls obviously like them back to some degree and they end up getting married and everything's going really well. You kind of think this is where the Hallmark version would stop. But then shock horror Both Naomi's husband, the boy's dad, and the two boys all die. And obviously this is an unimaginable loss. To lose your husband and kids for these young women, to lose their young husbands. So the the mum says to the daughters-in-law, well, how about, how about you just go back to your own people? You know, you could go on with your lives. You could have good lives. You don't have to be a part of my family. You could go off and do your own thing. Maybe you'll remarry. And one of the two daughters does. The other daughter is Ruth, who we're hearing about, obviously. Ruth's character, Ruth's faithfulness, Ruth's loyalty are going to show up in a big way as this story unfolds. I think she's one of the great heroines of the Bible because she lives such an ordinary life. Sometimes I think we live ordinary lives and we lose sight of how extraordinary we can be for God when we live lives that are living for him, living for an audience of one. But so Naomi says to Ruth, look, I think we should go back to my home. I don't know anyone here. We've got no network. We've got no people. We need people. And they go back to to Naomi's land and she becomes so depressed so bitter in herself she says at one point you know what don't even bother calling me Naomi just call me bitterness can you imagine being so crushed by life that you say don't even bother with my name just call me bitter and so while Naomi is clearly depressed I think today we would probably want to medicate her. We would want to send her for some counseling. We would have a prayer meeting, like there would be a whole thing, but they haven't been surrounded by lots and lots of family. They've gone all the way back to their home country and they've found Naomi's home country, but not Ruth's, and they find that they're still just as lonely. People don't come rushing to their aid, but Ruth faithfully, loyally, diligently goes out And starts trying to do what she can to make sure that they're not going to starve. Can you imagine how you would feel? Your lot in life. If you had done all of the right things. You've stuck with your mother-in-law. You've honoured God. You're serving her faithfully. She's miserable all the time. You're going out working really hard in the fields. Trying to gather up what you can so that you don't starve going along behind the people doing the harvest, picking up what tiny amounts remain. This is, this is a really tough situation. 
And she's going along trying to gather up what little she can. And she comes across this chap, Boaz, and that's where our story ended last week, where she meets Boaz, and Boaz has seen how hard she's working for her mother-in-law and has heard her story. He's obviously asked around about her, and he, he shows favor to her. He says, I want you to, to gather in my fields. I want you to follow my people around. And at this point, he's now not just doing what the Old Testament commanded him to do, letting her gather what had been spilled, because the people of the day didn't have food banks, they didn't have a a social care system. I know ours isn't perfect, but at least we have something. And so the social care system of the day meant that as you would harvest, you would not pick up everything that you dropped. So if someone's really desperate, they can go along behind you and they can pick up the bits that you drop. But Boaz has gone not just one step further, but two, three, four, five steps further. You see, what he's done is he said, go along behind my people. Then he says, go along and here, make sure that you spill some for her. Here, give her a whole handful of some of the crop that we've harvested. Give her this, give her that, give her the other. Let her come and drink our water when she needs a break. Let her harvest with us. He tells the young men, you leave her alone. You don't do anything to her. I know she's a foreigner. And actually, we don't always treat asylum seekers very well. I think it was true then and it's true now. If you look at the world today, people crossing the channel, setting aside all of the politics of whether it's right or wrong, just think about that. How should we be treating these people? What is the kingdom values that we're being asked to apply. I think Boaz shows exemplary kindness. But I don't want to get into a whole political thing this morning, so let me just say, kindness, I think, is a kingdom value, and I think that's what's on display here. And so because this this woman, because Ruth is honoring God, she's honoring her mother-in-law, she's serving her faithfully, there are lots of kingdom characteristics quality characteristics her character is showing up and showing out in a huge way in this passage and because that's happening because that's happening Boaz says I've heard this great report of you and this is why he shows a favor to her and so Eventually, Ruth goes home with huge amounts of grain that she's managed to collect up. So much more than anyone would expect little Ruth to be able to gather. Clearly, she has been able to have a pretty choice place in gathering the harvest. I mean, we're talking about a lot of grain that she's gathered. So much so that Naomi is shocked. And so she starts asking some questions. Do you remember being young and you'd come home from being out and your mum would start asking you some questions? Has anyone had that experience? Where have you been? What have you been doing? How was school today? Whatever, you know. And she's like, oh my word, what is that? Like, what have you been up to? I mean, there are two scenarios here. Either someone's shown incredible favour or she's been nicking stuff. I don't know what's going on. And so she says, what, what's that? What's happened? Who have you, like, how have you? I mean, she's just little old Ruth by herself. I, I doubt she's been able to do very much up until this point, going around gathering up 
what has been dropped from the ground. I mean, think of it this way. Go home, find some popcorn kernels or some rice, tip them on the floor and see how many you can pick up in half an hour. There's a good little sermon illustration for you. Try not to get the hoover out. (laughs) But uh, the story goes on and they find out, well, actually, this is what she's been able to do because Boaz has shown favor to her. And in showing favor to her, this has meant that she's gathered all this great amount that's going to basically mean that they're not going to starve. They're no longer destitute. There's a huge financial value to what she's gathered, more than just the fact that someone has been generous to her and now they've got some food to eat. They're going to be able to survive. There's a monetary cost to favor. Generosity, another great kingdom value, is on display for us this morning. And Naomi says, you know, he's one of our guardian redeemers. And I'll come on to that in a moment. But Naomi goes on and says, you know, you should, you should take his advice. That is a safe place for you to work. The passage keeps saying again and again and again. It just keeps referencing the fact that Ruth the Moabite said, The Moabite woman, it just keeps calling her the foreigner again and again and again. And so for Boaz to go out of his way for her, to treat her like a part of the extended family, to show such favour to her, I think is another kingdom characteristic that we see on display. So many times you hear great sermons in church about blessing. But here's a great story about blessing, and I'm going to talk about that as well. So... So first of all, I've just got a couple of things to say to you this morning. I want to talk to you about, I said I'd explain what a guardian redeemer is, and I'll take just a moment to do that. But I wanted to talk to you about working and blessing, because I think these two things go hand in hand together. And I think we all want to be blessed by God. I've not yet met anybody, even those who come from the most conservative parts of the church, where they don't talk about the blessing of God very often, want to be blessed by God. Have you noticed? We all want to know God's blessing in our lives. And so let me just explain. A guardian redeemer, this is a person, part of the extended family, where they would care for you if you were in a predicament like this. You see, the Old Testament, the family patriarch dies. If there are no kids that have been born of that marriage, somebody else in the family would marry you. Obviously, they have multiple wives. If you're thinking, I'm not sure about this, And uh, if you'd like to question the application, let me just say, I don't think this part is literal today. Lots of the Bible is. I think it's really great. You want to apply as much of the Bible to your life as possible. Maybe not this bit. And so in the Old Testament, because they didn't have a social care system, because it was a patriarchal society, women could be left totally destitute and alone. We often hear in the Bible, in the New Testament, how the church, the deacons in the church, are meant to care for the widows and orphans. It's important that somebody cares for those people. And the way that they designed this was that if you had young sons, they became the patriarch of the family, they would run the family, and they would go to work, and you would be looked after as part of the extended family. If you have no sons, and you are married, and your husband dies, you're in a really vulnerable position. And so the the tradition goes that you would 
be married to someone, one of the guardian redeemers of the family. And so, Ruth isn't just going to be cared for. Naomi isn't just going to be cared for. They're going to become a part of the family. This is even better than a social care system where they're going to get just a little bit here and there to keep them going. They're about to be welcomed into the family through marriage. And I think when we then talk about the way Jesus redeems us, the church, there's a fantastic overlap here between the guardian redeemer and the way Jesus redeems us. You see, we become, when we are Christians, when we are part of the church, when we give our lives to Christ, when we say, I'm going to live his way, not my way, I'm going to put Jesus first, he's going to be my Lord and Saviour, and we become part of the church, the church is the bride of Christ. And through that union, through us putting our faith and trust in him, his gift of grace is given to us, and we often hear about that. But one of the great ways that this is illustrated is a marriage, that the church is the bride, and that the bride chooses to honour, love, and obey, to put first her husband. And the husband dies for his wife. If you're married and you've never heard this in church, see me after, we'll pray for you. I remember chatting to my wife about this and saying, you know, lots of people get a bit funny about this bit where it says that you need to obey your husband in the Bible, but your husband has to die for you, so you've kind of got the better end of the deal here, don't you think? It's That's what Jesus does for us. He goes to the cross because we are the one that he loves. We are his beloved. We are the bride and he is the bridegroom. And so he redeems us in this same way by bringing us into his family. And so I just wanted to ask you, you know, as you hear this story, I've just recapped it quickly. We've got Boaz, we've got Ruth, we've got Naomi. We've got these great characters. And I think we need to be careful when we try and imagine ourselves in the story, but who would you imagine yourself as in this story? What is the application here for you this morning? Do you need an encouragement to keep working diligently, although things seem bleak? Trusting in the Lord's provision, just as Ruth does? Is your heart full of bitterness like Naomi? Do you need to check that? Are you blessed? And actually, rather than seeking a blessing, maybe you need to be a blessing like Boaz. You know, the amazing thing for Boaz here is he gets a wife out of this deal. By all accounts, Ruth seems to be a hottie. I mean, you know, it depends which commentaries you read. That's my takeaway. Some people suggest maybe Boaz is, you know, a little older. Maybe not quite, quite such, you know, an attractive prospect to, to Ruth. Or perhaps this is Prince Charming and his princess, depending on how you like to think about it. I don't want to spoil this story for you. I know for some people this is a real favourite. 
But this is a fantastic story to go away and look at in your quiet time, in your devotion, to really study. There is so much written about it. You can find some fantastic books. If you want to know more, do ask, because I think we can find you some great resources on this. But I did just want to highlight one main thought for you this morning. One main thought. I want to just highlight the character of Ruth to you. You see, Ruth doesn't assume anything of anyone. Her character shows through time and again. And I think really what we see is someone that is just honouring the ways of the Lord. You know, this story doesn't talk about God But I think God is just throughout this story. There are so many illustrations of the faithfulness and the goodness of God time and again in these characters' lives. One of my favourite services that we have is the first Sunday after Christmas. We have a testimony service and it, it won't be live streamed. But we invite all sorts of people up and if you're able, I just encourage you to be a part of that service. Because people come forwards and they share all their testimonies and I get to hear about it later. And uh, we hear wonderful things from people's year. Because I think we all have stories like the book of Ruth. If you look back over your life long enough since you became a Christian and started following Jesus, I think you'll see just time and again how God shows up for you. But the wonderful thing about Ruth is right when she is in the midst of her trial, she remains faithful to God. She remains faithful to those who are depending on her. She works hard. I don't know if you, like me, are a church kid. I'm a church kid. I'm pretty churched. I don't know if you remember back in the the early 90s, late 90s, there, there were these wristbands. They were super cool, like what would Jesus do wristbands and push and frog and Frog was fully rely on God, and I heard a great sermon from Ruth when that was popular. And Push was pray until something happens, encouraging us to keep doing things God's way, not doing things our way. And then just towards the end of this kind of trajectory, when they were running out of cool things to put on wristbands and t-shirts, they came up with a great one that said, look busy, Jesus is coming, and that's pretty much what killed it, I reckon, because we didn't have any more cool t-shirts or wristbands after that. I think that might have seemed a bit flippant to the older generations, I don't know. But as we were growing up, these were the things that were all around, and, and actually, I think they were a great encouragement to us. We needed those reminders. Pray until something happens. Don't give up because it's hard. Ruth doesn't give up. Ruth doesn't really have an option whether she gives up or not. That's the truth of the matter. But it's a wonderful reminder that we need to not give up. We need to keep pursuing God. Ruth keeps relying on God. She fully relies on God. I'll admit that was my least favourite wristband because my non-Christian friends thought I was weird because it was a green wristband and it said frog and they're like, you're right. WWJD's a bit easier to explain. Frog, they just think you're an idiot. But these reminders to us are so important. 
Ruth's testimony is so important. Our testimony is so important. Every one of us has a testimony. We have a testimony to the faithfulness of God, to the goodness of God at work in our lives. And when we think on those things, in fact, the Bible even encourages us to think on those things, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, lovely, all of these things, that's what we're meant to let our minds dwell on. And I think actually what you think about, what you're longing for, what is on your heart and mind most often, tends to be the thing that consumes you. So when your mind is fixed on the things of God, when your heart is just longing for the things of God, when you're thinking about great testimonies like this one, when you're hungering after more of God at work in your life and trusting him in the midst of whatever uncertainty might be facing you. I think that's a wonderful thing. I can church that up a little bit for you if you're thinking, well, you know, I've not really heard that said quite that way before. Meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. Have you heard that? I think that's basically what we're being encouraged to do. Encourage one another. Carry one another's burdens. I think that's what this great crowd of witnesses is all about. We're meant to be encouraging one another. In fact, I would say one of the main values of our church, of this church, Stone and Ainsford, is encouraging one another. And so, just as I begin to wrap up this morning, We read this story and we haven't quite heard the end of the story. You know, Naomi says to Ruth, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the woman and work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. A little bit later it says, you know, Naomi has a bit more of a hunch what might be about to happen. And if you are planning on reading this later and you don't want to hear the spoiler, quickly stick your fingers in your ears and I'll give you a thumbs up once I've said it. But you ready? There's a bit of a wedding next. It all gets better and better, this story. Boaz and Ruth are going to become a thing. But you see, when Ruth is at her lowest, when she's got her Aggie mother-in-law in tow, and we'll not comment on mother-in-laws because it's a bad joke done badly, but her mother-in-law is going through a terrible time, probably the worst of her life, and Ruth is faithful to her mother-in-law, and by doing so, honours God. Ruth goes out and she works hard. She's got no reason to expect the blessings that are going to come. She just does what is in front of her, and she does it with her whole heart. And you know, I think that's how we're meant to respond to Jesus, with our whole heart. Anything else, if you're anything other than all in, I don't think it's going to work. You can't be half in to being married. You've got to be all in. And so she finds favour because people hear the good report. Blessing follows that favour. The way God had designed the society meant that she found favour. The way the story develops, she finds more favour. 
By the end of the story, her life is transformed and that doesn't take away the fact that she went through some stuff. It doesn't take away from the fact that her first husband died, that her father-in-law died. It doesn't take away from the fact that her mum had a terrible time and she was her greatest companion and support. She lived through those things, but glorified God in doing so. And in doing so, found the blessings of God, which were so much more than she could have ever hoped for. And people sometimes say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think it's because we live in a broken and fallen world and bad things are part of the fall. And you can't have a group of people who are exempt from the bad things, otherwise everybody would become a Christian and you wouldn't have free will. You've got to have the opportunity to choose Jesus. And in choosing the ways of God, just as Ruth does, choosing to honour God, we have the opportunity to honour God in our lives. And how much more meaningful is that for us who can not just honour God, but choose to live for Jesus, live like Jesus. A moment ago, I asked you to imagine who you might be in this story. And so this morning, I'd encourage you just to keep imagining how you can bring these kingdom values, not just who you might be, but how can you bring these kingdom values to bear in your life? Can you be generous, kind and humble, faithful to God like Boaz? Can you be hardworking, loyal, kind, like Ruth? Or perhaps your grieving needs to turn to rejoicing through the faithfulness of God as you wait on him. And you can wait on him in misery or you can wait on him in hope. And I think that's what we see in Naomi. You see, halfway through this story, her waiting turns from hating to hoping. Hating all that has gone on. Bitterness eroding her soul. It feels like sandpaper on her soul as you read the story. But it turns to hope. How can you bring these values? Loyalty, kindness, hardworking, service, patience, kindness, generosity, warm-heartedness. I love how the passage talks about how inquisitive Boaz was. I think we always turning people being inquisitive, caring about people, asking about people into gossip, don't we? We don't think that there could be a good side to this, oh, what a gossip. You can just imagine somebody in church saying it, can't you? Oh, Boaz is asking about the pretty girl again. But he hears the good report and he honours her because of it. And so as I wrap up, I just wanted to conclude with this one thought. This one thought. You see, this is the first week in Advent. We've lit our first candle. Over the coming weeks, we're going to light the rest. We always light the, the fifth one. Normally on Christmas morning, we tend to do it at our not-quite-midnight mass service, which is... um. 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and that's always a lot of fun. 
we light candles, we sing some songs, and we start Christmas morning together, which is um, why it feels like family, really, doesn't it? That's the, the point of doing that, that we get to celebrate Jesus' birthday with our church family. But as we consider Advent, as we consider this story, as we think about the guardian redeemer in our story, the one who's going to welcome us into the family of God. Here's my one thought for you, my closing thought. What does it look like for you this morning? What does it look like for you this morning to be working hard and trusting God? You see, I don't have time to go around every person in the room and you probably wouldn't want me doing it on the, the live stream if I were to try and help you work out that application in your life. But I think for each one of us, we can do that just in our own minds. And as I pray for us, I just encourage you to be thinking on that in a moment. What does it look like for you to be hardworking, loyal, trustworthy, honouring, gracious, kind, you see, we see Ruth, just as we see Naomi in one of the worst spots in her life, this is probably one of the low points in Ruth's life. And I think the only way her character can show up the way it does, I'm certain of this, the only way her character can show up the way it does is because she must have practiced what it is that she's doing now. That good character doesn't just appear overnight. When the chips are down, that's when your character shows up. And so I'm, I'm pretty convinced that of the two daughters-in-law, one has a really sincere faith in God, and I wonder if the other didn't. Because when things got hard, one drifted away and one stayed faithful. And so my question to you this morning is, what does faithfulness look like in your life right now? And that's what I'd like to pray for you about. So perhaps you just bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning in closing. Father, we thank you for the wonderful testimony of the story of Ruth. Lord, this isn't a a story that's going to make a great Hallmark movie. Father, this is nobody's favourite Christmas movie. But it's a story of faith and faithfulness. It's a story of Christian character on display for all to see. It's a story of hope to the hopeless. Of faith to the faithful. And of joy to the morning. Father, I pray that each one of us, considering now 
how this story relates to us, how it fits with our lives. Father, help us to consider what the call of God, what the challenge might be to us. And as we trust and hope in you, I thank you that you are faithful to us. I thank you that when we put our hope in you, you never disappoint. And I pray this morning that you would renew and strengthen our faith. Help us to hope and trust in you, to wait on you. Father, we bless and praise your name. We thank you that you are the same God who is faithful to Ruth and will be faithful to us too. And Father, as we consider your generosity as a kingdom value, we thank you that your heart is to bless us. Help us live in a way that honours you and invites your blessing because of that. Father, not because we're asking, but because we're obeying. We want to put you first in all our ways. We want to hope in you. All this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.